The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Did Jeffrey Epstein kill himself? Commit suicide? Or was he cloned? And then, a young woman leaves her house one day, and someone throws a bowl of blood all over her. And then, things get weird. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had a great, great weekend. Two quick things I wanted to talk about. One, I have a listener, a personal friend of mine. I know her personally. Robin, it's Robin's birthday. Let's give her a hand, even though she won't listen. This episode's being recorded on her birthday. But uh, she's a really cool kid. She's a professional fashion person. Like, she, people pay her to dress them. Like, she comes out and she talks to them for a while and goes, where are you at now? Where do you want to be in five years? She picks out their clothes. She goes and she buys all their clothes. She's a really, really fascinating person to talk to. So happy birthday, Robin. I've been on her for quite a few years. She's really cool. And she listens to the show as well. And you'll notice the art is different for today's episode. That was provided by John from the Scar Group. Mm, mysterious. He seems to be a really cool guy. I don't know him as well as I know Robin, but I've talked to him a bit online. Great. That artwork is amazing. It was a hand-sketched art. He was posting uh, versions of it on Instagram as he was doing it, and it's just amazing. And it's funny because I sent it to Ash Black. Ash Black drew the uh, normal logo we use on the show, and I'm like, someone made fan art based on your art. The original logo he just made when he was listening to Dead Rabbit Radio, I had an old version of the art. So it's just interesting to see how this community works. And Ash Black was like, dude, that's totally awesome. And I was like, I know, it is awesome. So, yeah, and it's funny because eventually I think someone will sketch something from John's art and and come up with a new image on that. So I think I might uh, flip the images back and forth every once in a while uh, just to change things up. But uh, Ash Black, that's still our official art for the show, but the John art is just this amazing (laughs) gritty reboot. Gritty retcon, however you want to put it. It's funny because I never noticed the teeth on the Dead Rabbit logo until John drew them. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess he does have teeth. I guess he does have fangs. So thanks to Ash Black. Thanks to John from Scar, the Scar group. And thank you to um, Grant Scott as well. He does our As Above, So Below image as well. Just an amazing artist that I've met. So let's go ahead and move on to our first story. Now, I want to say this. This is actually a second draft. I originally recorded a 15-minute segment on the ins and outs of the Jeffrey Epstein case and all of the ties to the different political factions and the rumors of this and that and everything. And I edited it, and it was about 15 minutes long. And when I got to the end of it, I go, this is boring. This is uh, really, really boring. It's nothing more than what you can read in the newspaper. I try to cover conspiracy theories that aren't mainstream, and this one has gone mainstream, which is odd because I predicted a couple videos ago that conspiracy theories are going to 
become incredibly mainstream. Both sides of the political aisles are thrown out accusations that the Clintons did it, that Trump did it, yada, yada, yada. So I recorded all that stuff, and I was bored editing it, and I figured you guys would be bored listening to it. And again, it's nothing more you can't learn by reading any series of websites. So I took it out. It was it was just, it's not one, it's not a story that I particularly have fun talking about because of the subject matter. If you don't know, Jeffrey Epstein was a pedophile who quote-unquote killed himself. I personally think, because maybe you guys want to know what my personal opinion is. I personally think that it's that he he may have killed himself. Obviously, that's the obvious answer, but it's very, 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 very suspicious. And I kind of just went on for about 15 minutes talking about different facts of the case, and it was super, super boring. But all that being said, because I know people are going to say, hey, how come you didn't comment on the case? That's It's boring to me, personally. But um, I, it's very, very suspicious that, that he died when he died. But... What I find fascinating about it is you have the both sides of the political aisle throwing out different conspiracy theories at each other, which may or may not be valid. We don't know. It has to go through this whole investigation thing, but like most most criminal acts do. But like that, like that. Remember when 9-11 happened? Of course you do. 9-11 happens, and then people start saying there was controlled demolitions and that in, inside job and all this stuff. And then people said, no, 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 you guys, you guys are wrong. You guys who believe the planes brought down the buildings, you guys are wrong. And you guys who believed it was an inside job are wrong. It was actually holographic planes or space lasers or time loops or whatever. There's always someone out there who wants to outweird both sides of the conspiracy. And it's happened already. Already there are reports online, just flittering whispers, actually. You just see them pop up here and there. I wasn't able to actually find a particular website because I would just read them. And then it would just disappear in the wind like dust. Probably because people realize how stupid it is. But trust me, this will gain traction. This will gain traction. Jeffrey Epstein was cloned. You see, the body that was wheeled out on the gurney doesn't look like Jeffrey Epstein. Did you know that? Look at these two pictures. I'm going to show you a picture of Jeffrey Epstein's mugshot photo. And then I'm going to show you a picture of a corpse. Now... I used to work in a crematory, I think I told you guys about that before, and that aside, I've seen a lot of dead people, and you don't generally look the same when you die. One, your soul's gone, so that's a really weird thing to look at a body with no soul, but your blood settles, you bloat in certain weird places, fluids collect, and all sorts of stuff. You're not going to have the same rosy cheeks you had in your mugshot photo when you're laying down lifeless on a gurney. But people say, no, no, no. See, they cloned Jeffrey Epstein and put the clone on a gurney, and then they let Jeffrey Epstein out because he's so good at providing the elites with these kids that we need him on the outside. So let me ask you guys, anyone who believes in that theory, or when you come across, because this theory will take off. Trust me, I believe this is a very, very up-and-coming conspiracy theory. This is why I want you to ask those people. You run into them, you're at Starbucks, you're drinking your coffee. Some guy walks in with a shirt that says, I cloned Jeffrey Epstein, and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. And you go, hey, hey, can I talk to you about your conspiracy theory? And they're like, someone's paying attention to me? Yeah. And they sit down next to you, and they're taking a bunch of Splenda packets and putting it in their coffee. That's what I do. I don't, I don't know why I attributed him that. I always think like five Splenda packets. But anyways, he goes, yes, yes, here, you want to hear my conspiracy theory? Jeffrey Epstein was cloned, and then he tells you the whole nonsense that I just told you. These are your questions you should ask. First off, who, who cloned him? When did we get cloning technology? How did they sneak the clone into the jail and him out of the jail? Those are all valid questions. If he was cloned, why didn't they clone him on the outside and have his clone get arrested in the first place? Why would you need him to get young girls? 
when um, alone America has a huge human trafficking problem, and a huge subset of that is children. So it's not like there's just one guy in the country who can do it. You can go to pretty much any major city, talk to three or four pimps, and find what you're looking for. That's not a selling point. It's absolutely tragic, but America has a huge human trafficking problem. Why would you need this guy? If you had the ability to clone people, let's go with this. You're talking at this point, the guy's getting a little nervous. He's slowly stirring his coffee. He's like looking from side to side, trying to plot his escape. If you can clone people, okay, why would you clone the pimp? Wouldn't you clone the prostitutes? Like, wouldn't you clone the victims and then you wouldn't ever have to worry about anything? You wouldn't have to have a new pimp go out and find a new girl. You'd have a hundred versions of the same girl. I think one of the big problems with conspiracy theory is that it's not questioned enough. Most people, when they hear ridiculous conspiracy theories, they just let them stand. They go, ah, what, you're an idiot, and they just walk away. And then the person is allowed to exist in their echo chamber and stuff never gets questioned. Sometimes we should take our time out to actually argue these things down. Really, we really should, even if it's just five or ten minutes of the day. I used to do that all the time. I used to debate people who didn't believe we landed on the moon. I debate them till the cows came home. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world to debate people who don't believe we landed on the moon. It's one of the easiest things to debate. And here's the way to do it. Just ask questions. If you start presenting other facts, which is generally how we win arguments, and someone says, hey, we never landed on the moon, and you go, well, we took photos, like there's photos of the moon, and we were up there, and people were bringing back rocks, explain the rocks, and stuff like that, and there's like, you're presenting them with facts. The best thing to do is, what I always do is go, who would make it up? And they'd answer that, and there's obviously a logical flaw in it, because it's not true, we did land on the moon. Who would make that up? Well, NASA's a satanic organization. Da, da. Oh, okay. And then you can start to take apart their argument. You don't want to present an argument to them because they will have an argumentative book. They've already talked to all their friends, so they know how to argue stuff like, why are there no stars on... You know why there's no stars on the moon, like in those moon photos? Because they were taken during the day. But they'll say... If I presented that fact to him, they'll just, oh no, NASA airbrushed out the, I don't know how I got on the moon land, they were talking about Jeffrey Epstein, but the point is, is like, if you present a fact, they'll have a counterfact for you, or they'll just disregard the fact. The point is, is to make a conspiracy theorist's brain start to work. You're basically the jumper cables, trying to get that car started. Why would they make it up? Why didn't the Russians cover it up for them? They say, because we paid the Russians off in wheat because they're having a huge like food shortage. And I go, yeah, that normally works with other countries when we like pay them off with money. Like if North Korea says, we won't build nukes if you give us money and we give them money and then two years later they're building a nuke, that works, right? But before I let them answer that, I'll ask them another question about what they're talking about. And you just are getting that, their brain to start to think, that is a little weird. Like let's say we did give the Russians a bunch of wheat Soviet Union, a bunch of wheat, so they would lie about the moon landing. Why would they keep that secret for the next 60 years? And they start, you know, you get those gears turning. Why is NASA a, if NASA is a satanic organization, what about India's space program? What about China's space program? You can do that with any conspiracy theory. When someone presents a ridiculous conspiracy theory to you, simply ask questions. Simply just ask question after question after question, and then you're allowed to walk away at any point when your time is more valuable than talking to that lunatic. But it makes them think. If you present them with facts, they'll just shut down. They'll be like, no, no, satanic conspiracy. Think, Okay, Nate, give me some names of people who started the satanic conspiracy. Where did this person get their satanic training? Where did, where did you get this information from? And you just keep asking them questions, and eventually they'll get to a point where they don't have an answer. 
And that's the ultimate weapon against ridiculous conspiracy theories like Jeffrey Epstein being cloned. A lot of times people who put out conspiracy theories go, hey man, I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions. I'm not being disrespectful to 9-11 victims. I'm simply asking questions. So that's what we can do too, is ask questions as well. That thing right there was infinitely more entertaining than 15 minutes of me going through the Jeffrey Epstein case. So we're going to go ahead and jump back into the story. You're going to hear me go black as I finish up the Jeffrey Epstein story. And let's go to Bolivia. Let us hop on board the carbon copter and head to Bolivia. But first, you're going to hear this. Just black. We're done with that story. Which I'm sure you guys are all relieved of. I mean, you know, no one likes talking about that stuff. But it's such big news. I had to cover it. So let's all hop on board the carbon copter. Let's get on board. We are flying out to Bolivia, and we are about to explore probably one of my new favorite stories that I found. I never knew this story existed until probably Thursday, and I was immediately like, this is dope, dude. This is really cool. So we are flying to Bolivia. So we're all on board the carbonocopter. And as we're flying out, we're going to go back in time as we usually do. Then we reappear, and we are in Opoco, Bolivia. Very, very poor region. At least back then, I don't know, it could be bustling metropolis now, but it used to be really, really poor, okay? And there was this girl named Valentina Flores, 24-year-old mom, mom, single mother. No, she wasn't single mother. She just had one baby, that's what I meant. She's out walking around one day. She leaves the house. She's kind of just walking around. She has no friends. There's no one else living in the area. Her husband's off doing work for the government. Because they're super poor, and she stays home and farms, and he goes, and basically the government's like, do this, and he'd get up and go do it, and then get paid. Not a lot of money, though. They're, they're poor. And she's walking around outside, and someone throws a bowl of blood at her, and she's like, ah, the worst prank ever. I mean, I get cream pies are a little, little uh, cliche, but a bowl of blood is a tall escalation, so she gets covered in blood. She's like, what, uh... And when she finally wipes the blood from her eyes, she's like, oh, you knucklehead. She's getting ready to bonk him on the head. No one's there. No one's there. And she's like, well, that's weird. I mean, the blood part was weird, too, but the disappearing act, quite odd. Now we're going to jump ahead. That happened a few days before this event. Now, your skeptic alarms are going to be going off this whole story. This whole story, because mine were, too. So let me get into this real quick. I've tried really, really hard to debunk this. There's basically two types of made-up stories when we deal with the show. One, the person who's telling the story totally made it up, which is possible, obviously. And the second one, which is more troubling, is the internet made it up. That was something we came across when I covered the Lone Pine Devils. And then a listener, I don't remember their name, I'm so sorry, but I mentioned it on the episode that I corrected it on. A listener said, that story is completely made up. It's based on this YouTube video. And sure enough, there was not a single mention of this story of the Lone Pine Devils before the YouTube video. So when I started to look into this, I go, I can't prove whether or not she made it up. That's pretty hard. But I can assure you that this story is not created by the internet. I tracked this, this story came out in 2001 from a Spanish book, and the first mention of it online is like August 2001, and it was mentioned in this context. So she could have made it up, but it's not an urban legend that was made up on the internet that everyone just repeats and passes around. I'm shocked this story isn't more famous, but let's, let's go ahead and get into it. So I want you to put peace of mind that I've done my due diligence to see whether or not this is fake. She could have made it up, but we'll accept her at her word as we tell this story of Valentina. So 
it's May, and this is going to set off your skeptic alarms too. It's either May 10th or May 14th in the year 1967 or 1968. So that, uh, again, set off my skeptic alarm. But considering it's such a rural region, she's illiterate. She's from an indigenous Indian tribe known as the Quechua tribe of Indians in Bolivia. So it's not like they have, you know, a, a farmer's almanac hanging out. I'll accept that the dates differ from different versions of the story, but most of the details are the same. Okay, so we got all of that out of the way. Now you can take off your skeptic hats and enjoy this story. So Valentina Flores is 24 years old, and her husband's off again working for the government. So she's there, and it's her job to, one, take care of their precious little infant baby, little baby on her back. She has like a... One of those things that wraps around your front, and then there's like a little baby chilling in the back with a bow and arrow. What were those things? Weren't they bambushkas or something like that? I don't know. Anyways, this was called a manta in this part of the world. But anyway, so she's hanging out there. Her baby's on her back. And she has 64 sheep and a bunch of llamas. And this is how they make their money. They have to have the sheep for the wool, and they, they make stuff or sell the wool or whatever. The sheeps are a big part of their livelihood, so are the llamas. So this is basically, would be the equivalent of, you work at a bank, but your money can walk away at any time or be eaten by wolves at any time. So she's always constantly having to keep an eye on her business. She's much livestock. So she's walking around with her baby on her back, taking care of farm stuff, right? I've never been to a farm. I don't know what they do. But anyway, she's doing stereotypical farm stuff. She's throwing hay, building houses, watching sheep. But then she realizes, she turns around, and she realizes all the llamas are gone. She's like, Dag nabbit, if I ain't never seen nothing worse than that. And so she starts stomping on She gets in her jalopy, no. And so the, the llamas are completely gone. And throws her hat in the, in the dirt, and she's stepping on it. And so she starts trying to find the llamas. So she starts walking all over. It's like a real hilly region. She starts walking all over the hill. She's like, llamas. It's a 45-minute walk before she finally finds her herd of llamas. So at this point, she's very, very upset. And she herds them back. She brings them all back. And she's like, let's get back to the house. I got 64 sheep to take care of. But as she starts to come over a hill with all of her llamas, she notices something really, really weird. So she put the sheep in this stone corral before she left. But as she's coming over the hill with her army of llamas, she sees something covering up the stone corral. And she noticed it looked, the way she described it was, there was a pipe sticking out of the top, and then this plastic web-like coating, almost like a circus tent, coming out of the top of the pipe and covering the entire corral. So she can't really see what's in the corral. And... She's like, I didn't leave that there. That's not mine, right? Who Who is messing with my sheep? So she kind of like puts down. She's like, Lama, stay here. She holds her hand up so they all stop. And she's like doing the army belly crawl. She comes around and she looks into basically a tent flap of the tent of the big plastic thing that's covering her crown. And what she sees is shocking. So she looks in. She's like, like a little boy, like a little boy sneaking in the circus. She like peeks in. She's trying to see like an elephant. She sees a three-foot-tall man in there, this little white dude, this little white guy with blonde hair, blue eyes, and a giant red mustache. He's described as chubby and young. So imagine me with a mustache for the rest of the... Imagine 12-year-old Jason. I wasn't three feet tall, I don't think, but imagine 12-year-old Jason for the rest of this story, the giant mustache, little chubby boy sitting inside of this tent. But it's not just me in a tent. What she sees is me in a tent surrounded by 63 slaughtered sheep. 
just guts hanging out, jaw bones missing, eyeballs gone. It looks like a horror movie, except this horror movie is her livelihood. And as she's looking in, she sees chubby little man have a chain attached to like a belt. And on the end of the chain is this large hook that he's been using to cut the sheep open. And on both sides of the boy, he had two plastic satchels filled with sheep guts. Now, again, let's put our skeptic hats on for a second. I don't care how big the satchels are or what you're pulling out of sheep. I don't think you can fit 63 of anything, anything's guts, in two side satchels. I just don't think that's possible. But let's take our skeptic hats back off. And he's about to kill her last sheep. And she flips out, right? She totally loses it. So she picks a rock up and she throws it at little dude and hits him in the head. And she's throwing rocks at him and he's yelling at her in a language she doesn't understand. And she just, she doesn't care at this point. She's seeing all of her sheep killed. She begins just picking up rocks and throwing them at her. And the little dude's like, no, 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 no. And eventually the little dude's had enough of it. He goes and he starts winding this thing up that she said looked like a radio, like just basically was a box. And as he's winding it up, the plastic tent over the, I know this story sounds insane, but I love it. The plastic tent over the corral basically winds up and gets sucked into the metal pole that was sitting in the middle of her farm. At that point, she sees a second three-foot-tall chubby little boy on the opposite side of the corral that was blocked from view because of the tent. The second dude sees her, sees what's going on, and (laughs) books it, dude. He just goes in the opposite direction, starts running away as fast as his chubby little legs can take him. Then he sits down in a chair and hits a button, and these propellers start (laughs) going off. And the chair goes... And just flies away. Leaves his dude there who's being assaulted by this woman. So the dude looks at her. And she looks at him. And he's in this stone corral. Surrounded by dead sheep. Gutted sheep. And the sheep he was he was going to cut open had run away at this point. He's like, thanks. Gives Valentina a high five. Books it, hangs out with the llamas who must be terrified by this whole situation. Little dude's looking at her. She's looking at him. She goes... Let's rock. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. Just like episode of Married Children. This one's a little more violent. She ends up pulling out a club. She keeps a cudgel with her, right? She like pulls it out. Spins it around in her hand. Spinning it over her head like a ninja. It's a wooden club that has has a iron tip to it. And she steps into the corral. Stepping over sheep carcasses. Flies must be everywhere at this point. Little guy's looking up at her, and he's like, "Uh uh-oh, this is not going to end well. And she bashes this dude over the head. Now, I should say right now, it wasn't actually two chubby boys who had wandered into her corral and just started gutting sheep. It it wasn't, so yeah, it wasn't just two little boys were hanging out on her property killing sheep, which would deserve a butt-kicking, but... The implication that these kids are aliens. I, I I hope you guys have picked up on that as this next part starts. She picks up her, she has her cudgel, and she bashes this dude right in the face. And he's trying to talk to her the whole time in this language that she just doesn't understand at all. 
Well, no matter what he was saying, it wouldn't. He, we're trying to cure. We're trying to help the environment. We're those hippie aliens that are trying to help everything. No, we have to kill sixty-four sheep, or your world will be doomed. It wouldn't matter. It was her livelihood. She bashes him in the face, and he just starts leaking. He just starts bleeding all over the place. And at this point, he's screaming at her, and she goes for another blow. Right? She's just ready to just brain this kid. And the hook thing he has attached to the chain. He picks it up. It was originally, like, designed to kill sheep, to gut sheep. He throws it at her. And she tries to do a Matrix dodge. It doesn't work. It actually hits her and cuts her chest. And then as it's, like, going up, he throws it, and it flies back to him because he pulls it on the chain. But as it's making that arc, it basically hits her chest, cuts her chest, cuts her face, and then comes back to him. And then he's, like, spinning it, and he's like, you want to go again? (laughs) You understood that, right? You understood that? And she's standing there, she's all cut up, and she said, I think it would have went straight into me if I wasn't wearing the manta that was holding the baby on on the back. And I'm assuming the baby is, is wide awake and screaming at this point, because basically everything that could go wrong is going wrong. As he's getting ready to do another throw of this thing, she takes her cudgel and she smashes his hand so badly. I don't, again, this isn't a put on a skeptic hat for a second. This is something that you, if you were an alien, you'd have to be pretty weak. She hits his arm, his right arm, so badly that it begins bleeding and is immediately immobilized. Like, I can imagine getting hit so hard in the arm, it gets broken and you can't use it. But I've had a, quite a few broken bones I've never bled. To be fair, I've never been hit with an iron cudgel. But anyway, she just, just smashes his arm. He's screaming. His face is bleeding. His arm is bleeding. He's like, I'm out of here. He runs. He gets in a chair as well. Hits a button. Flies off after his buddy. Her husband comes back. Where's all of our sheep? What you do? And she's like, uh, you won't believe the day I had. She's in there drinking whiskey. He's like, that's all the whiskey we have. She's like, yeah, well, I need it. She tells him the story. Eventually, the Bliving army gets notified. They come out, and they collect the carcasses of all the sheep, and they also scrape up the ground where these weird creatures had been to get the blood. I should add that. They weren't just scraping up dirt. They scraped up where the aliens' blood had dropped, and then they left. Now, this incident devastated the farm so badly that... Valentina and her little baby and her husband had to move away to another town. They couldn't be up here anymore because they didn't have any reason to be up there. All of their sheep had died. The llamas are just like, you're lame. You're not good enough. And that all happened in 1967. In 2001, a famous Spanish author and UFO investigator named J.J. Benitez found out about this story and was able to track her down. She was in another region and she's like, oh yeah, come and take a seat and talk to you about this stuff. And she's telling him the story. And he goes, oh, yeah, you know, cattle mutilations are a thing. And these are, which is funny because I've talked trash about cattle mutilations all the time, but I love this story. He's like, you know, cattle mutilations are are a thing and UFOs come down and they abduct. And as he's telling her all this stuff, she's just sitting there drinking, drinking tea. She goes, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about UFOs. I don't care about aliens. Nothing. All I care about is that all my sheep got killed. She was illiterate. The whole family was illiterate. The baby was illiterate, obviously. But And even to, even in 2001, she had never looked into UFOlogy. She didn't care about aliens. She thought all that stuff was just like, whatever. I don't care. Don't tell me about it. It means nothing to me. Which is an interesting thing, because we've covered stuff like that before, where people who have had close encounters with alien life who don't have any idea of what aliens are or flying saucers and stuff like that. So... Is this a genuine case of cattle mutilation? I'm not for sure. I think it's fascinating because most cattle mutilation takes place 
out of sight. They just find cows or find human bodies or whatever it is. And they're like, ah, aliens. But this is a story. This is the only one that I've ever seen of someone actually watching the aliens mutilate livestock, which is an interesting spin on it. But I find the story fascinating. I find the story fascinating nonetheless. And that's one of the fun things about doing this show is I'll talk trash about all sorts of stories that have tons of sources. And every so often I'll come across a very intriguing story that has one source that was, you know, 50, 60 years ago. And I'm just like, oh, that story's awesome. Stories where people beat up aliens might be my favorite. This is the second one now I found. A couple episodes ago, we did the Finland special, and that involved a lumberjack chasing an alien away with a chainsaw, which I found infinitely amusing. And this one's even better because she totally beat it up. And I have to add, actually, I forgot to add this. This is another thing. You know, the beginning I had to add in later. I realized I forgot this. The bucket of blood, the the bowl of blood, right? I started off the story with that. She doesn't know, even after all the story, she doesn't know, nobody knows who threw the bowl of blood on her. It's a total mystery. Was it related to the aliens? Who knows? Was it alien blood? Who knows? Was it some sort of portent? Was it some sort of foreshadowing that she was going to have this alien encounter drenched in blood? Nobody knows. I like to imagine that somewhere out there in the cosmos, there's a race of chubby little <laughs> chubby little alien people on the planet Chubular. All the buildings are made out of sheep guts. They're walking around, and eventually these spaceship goes, lands, right? And two flying chairs come out of it. Well, no, one flying chair and a tune on a flying stretcher. And everyone's like, what happened? We're, we're, what happened to you guys? Did you guys bring our new building material? And the dude is like, oh, dude, shut up. I need to go to the doctor. So he goes to the doctor. And eventually, like, all their scientists, military officials are talking to talking to Tiny Jason. You won't believe it, man. I'm standing there. I, had, I We have the best technology in the world. We can travel the cosmos. You just gave me a hook to defend myself. And they're like, that's all you should need, sir. Not sir, you lost, you got demoted, private, and he's like, uh, and then he, they're like, so what happened? He's like, well, there's this woman, it's an average sized woman, so she's like five foot six, and they're like, oh my god, they're all giants there, he's like, they are. She begins picking up rocks, throwing them at me, I, that was the extent of her skills, and then she beat me up with a big old stick, big old stick, and they're like, a stick did this to you, and he's like, yes, a stick wielded by a giant. And then he's like, give me more pain medication, I'll tell you. I'll tell you more. You give me a little bit more of that a delicious alien pain medication, I'll tell you more. But eventually her story would have become legend on Chubular. This feisty young woman with a baby strapped to her back beat back alien invaders. The moral of the story is don't mess with Earth. The moral of the story actually is don't be afraid of aliens, because I have a lot of friends who are afraid of aliens. Because aliens, for all their spaceships... And their psychic powers and their big old reptilian bodies or little gray bodies or chubby bodies in this case. They're still flesh and bone. And flesh can be torn and bone can be broken. Earth, 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 earth. I want you to say it with me. I want you to know that you do not mess with planet Earth. Because at any point in time, we can reach down and pick up a rock. It's on. Aliens, I challenge you. Every so often I do an episode like this, I think... What if I get abducted by aliens tonight? Like, what if they're like, okay, we're done with this. This guy's talking so much trash about us. The, the intergalactic war may have started in 1967 when a woman <laughs> bashed in an alien's head. And if that, if that story's true, we're well on our way to victory. 
I hope that story's true. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Bye.